Are dents and scratches putting a dent in your day? Introducing Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide, your trusted solution for automotive woes. With over two decades of expertise, Rogerstein Crash Repairs guarantees top-notch service, restoring your vehicle to its former glory in no time. From minor dings to major collisions, our skilled technicians handle it all with precision and care using state-of-the-art equipment and techniques. Rogerstein Crash Repairs saved my car. It looks brand new. Fast, friendly and reliable. I wouldn't trust anyone else with my vehicle. Don't let accidents slow you down. Visit Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide at 14 Penner Avenue, Glind for quality service you can count on. And here's a special offer just for our listeners. Mention this podcast and receive a $100 discount on your repair. Roger Steen Crash Repairs Adelaide. Excellence in every repair. Previously, Previously. on the Game On Podcast. And obviously, you know, the sacrifices that you have to make uh, to play lawn bowls, especially, you know, going away for a week or two up in Queensland, you know, what other sacrifices have you had to make for your career? Uh, It's a pretty big sacrifice for my family. I've got a husband and three kids. Um, So the time it takes away from them is is quite significant, especially, you know, that 16 days was the longest I've been away from them. Um, But, yeah... They're amazing, and I don't think I could ever repay them for the sacrifices they make for me to be able to do it. That was Lady McGorman from the Adelaide Bowling Club talking about her experiences up in the Gold Coast, and we sometimes forget, Malcolm, that the sacrifices that amateur sports people have to make for their chosen sport. Yeah, it is. It's huge, and you're dead right. And on there's so many contributing factors there. So it's you know time away from work, how much time a person can get the financial cost of it, the person then tossing and turning, can I justify that? Not can I afford it? Quite often can I justify it? So, yeah, it's a lot of different things where it's not just simple matter of, yeah, I'll play or I won't play. Yep. Sportscast SA presents Game On. Game On. South Australia's destination for everything sports. Local, national, and international sports. AFL football, soccer, basketball, golf, baseball, tennis, cricket, and any other sports played in this wide world. And we're going to have a blast doing it. So sit back, relax, and let's do this thing. Welcome to Game On. And welcome to Game On. My name's Pete. I'm once again joined by Malcolm. And Malcolm, basically on today's episode, we're going to have a, a bit of a look at Ash Barty. She's come out on the weekend with some extracts from her new book, The Netball Sponsorship Debacle, yes, and the Adelaide 36ers and, and their inconsistent start to the season. Around the Grounds. To start off today, mate, the uh, T20 World Cup. Well, first off, Pete, welcome back. You know, all the best with your own situation at the moment too, mate. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Um, look, the 2020 bit, I think it's it's a, it's a classic uh, sign 
in terms of where the game should be respected a bit more overall with the programming. Like as we speak, where it is absolutely bucketed down in Adelaide all day today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I admit I've just come from Paynham and I've never seen the Oval so wet ever. And I've been involved since Paynham since '81. Yep. You know, playing this time of the year, it really should have been over Christmas. But hang on. No, we don't want to lose our test matches there, our traditional funds there. So we'll have two bites of the cake. And it's sort of backfired because the weather, we really, I don't think anyone's ever really, because there's been so much washouts. Oh, yeah, another game. Yep. Yeah. And Australia the other night really needing to play England yes. as part of their section. You know, they, they get away with a point each. It probably benefited Australia in, in that respect. Yeah, yes, but... I think purely after you've had the first game where you've had a shocker and been annihilated, so your run rate's taken a huge hammering, you actually nearly you need, need to, to play. play. Yes. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, New, Z- New Zealand got a, a hold of us in the first game. You know, we play Ireland uh, last night, uh, really probably should have knocked them over for about under 100 or 100 about, and we let them off the hook. So, you know, it really means that the New Zealand-England game, which is currently being played at the moment, becomes even more vital. It's virtually... If- England win tonight, Australia's nearly nearly out. Yeah, look, I, I felt last night too, it was a little bit weird. Hang on, you've got them five for 25. Let's almost go back main bowlers, even a even a couple of slips and gully and try and knock them over. Yep. And if we got their top scorer out, ironically went on to get 70-odd, we may have bowled them out for 70, which Australia needed to do. Yes, England currently, as we speak, is 5 for 163 after 18.5 overs. So you'd expect that'd be around the 175, 180 mark. Even just losing those couple of wickets in the last over or so, that hopefully that slows them down a little bit. So, yeah. Other than uh, New Zealand at the moment, who's probably the other form form team? Well, it's been very topsy-turvy. And it's actually been great for cricket with yes. some upsets, so, you know. Hello to David Jenkins, travelling back to Ireland as we speak, so he will listen to when he gets back to Dublin. And I called into his place the other night when Ireland had just beaten England, and, yeah, he was suitably pumped and that because there's a couple of representatives of his local club playing, and so, yeah, he's he's been really involved on the the, uh, green side, green machine. As we mentioned a couple of podcast episodes ago when they were doing a couple of the warm-up games, some of those countries that... You know, don't have Test, obviously, playing nations, but this format really does suit them and the upsets have sort of been justified in, in some way. Yeah, the, the shorter game does give time, you know, does help the minnows a little bit more, yeah. but hopefully hopefully the gap might be, be closing, although West Indies, to come out now for a couple of Test matches, you'd certainly want to be in if you intend to go to the Test match in Adelaide. You want to be day one or day two. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. All right. Mid-year draft, yes or no, mate? How to fix? It's a frustration. You know, you do all this work with players, getting players to your club, and and you don't want to limit players' opportunities to play AFL, but I think there's a better way of doing it. So do I. I will say it was fascinating, just purely by chance, happened to be going over to Melbourne with work and had arranged to catch up with Neil Baum, and Barmy rang me and said, oh, you're a bit unlucky, it's the night of the mid-season draft, no worries. He said, no, no, I'll come catch up with you afterwards. And yep. he explained very thoroughly that night why Richmond had picked Pickett and that they weren't going to cut him, even if he didn't play a game, they weren't. So they they made their choice for the long term, which some of the other clubs obviously haven't. Mm-hmm. And 
you can argue the Richmond were in it for the right reasons. Yes. And look, obviously, as the two of us are passionate SNFL uh, people, and Glenelg was the club which got slammed this year. It's previously been South Adelaide. Yes. And West Adelaide, us a little bit, nor a bit, yep. but um, this year it was Glenelg losing Durden and Turner. Yep. Really hurt them big time. And then you get to this time of the year, and, and you know, clubs are making decisions on their list, and generally, it seems that the players that they're picking up mid-year are the first ones that, that get clipped. It's very, it's it's not good optic optical point of view looking at it. Going, you know, this player's on a list in and has to move state for six months. Uh, completely uproots everything for an opportunity, which again, I'm not going to disregard. Um, but you know, you've got to look at the overall. How does it work? It's a job promotion, so we all understand that. We, we, you know, again, I've gotten full support for the players having a crack, but I think it should be a minimum 18-month contract. Yep. That, that's one way of looking at it. I've got a slightly another, a different way of looking at it, and, and I did write down some notes on this. You know, I think each club should have a, a list of, say, three players that they can have a, as a supplement a supplementary list, players from any league, whether it be the Waffle, the SNFL, NEFL, et cetera, et cetera. And each club has that three players on those lists so that way they can call on those players as needed. Now, yanking them out of, say, a a competition like the SNFL and and some regard the VFL, which is reasonably strong, you know, they're they're limiting their, their playing opportunities against players and teams that are of similar standards. So, in effect, we're sort of propping up the VFL competition, yeah. especially with the VFL, uh, SNFL and WA players. Now, each each team has three three players on this supplementary list. They're given an, uh, a 12-month contract to be on that list. The club then can bring those players over as they need on a short-term contract so they can increase their player payments if they're actually going to be playing. I get where you're coming from, but I think the players really, they need to be training with their teammates. They learn, need to learn those structures. And that's where the short-term contract comes in, that, that at the beginning of the season they select those three players as part of their supplement yeah, supplement I, list, and then from there the club can either activate them or keep them in, inactive through the season. Yeah, I get that, but I'm, I'm still saying I, I think they need to be there. Like It was really interesting with young Michael Annie where he got split so many different places this year. Yes. Where, there he was with the Nord finals and the guys are still at, uh, having to sort of go through the structures with him out on the ground. Yep. Because he hadn't been around enough. Yep. And I think with the game so structurally based nowadays, I think the person's got to be there. Sure. And and yeah. like I said, just yeah. trying to give it an alternative point of view there that, you know, certainly having them on that, that short-term uh, uh, contract for a a month or two where they are, they can be over and in that system yep. for a short period of time, but really not taking them out of the competition that needs to be uh, the, yeah. their number one comp. But again, not trying to... No, neither neither system's perfect, Exactly obviously. right. So, yeah, just something I wanted to mention, obviously, with the, the lists being changed yes. in the last couple of weeks and, you know, there's a few clubs that have delisted their, uh, their mid-season recruits, which is a little disappointing in some respects. Well, I can't work out Adelaide's... I think we were all surprised Adelaide picking Turner over Carmichael to start with. And then, okay, they're going to re-rookie him, which, again, is a fallacy in the system. Like, yep. Eddie Betts was a Carlton rookie in his last year. Now, that's ridiculous. Yes. Don't don't call it that. And just call it extra list, whatever. Yep. So, yep. yeah. The system isn't... The system has major malfunctions in it. 
Yep. It's embarrassing to call. How can you call someone a rookie when they've played 250 games? It's just insane. Yeah, I think there needs to be a bit more thought that goes into it. But, yeah, certainly removing players from a from a local competition does hurt at time to time, from time to time, and, and I'm hoping that they might take on a few uh, suggestions along the way and, and tweak it a little bit to make it a little bit more fair for everybody involved. Sure. AFLW, mate, we're getting to the business end of the season. We've got, obviously, eight eight teams competing for the final this year. Lions, Tigers, Cats, Kangaroos, Magpies, Bulldogs and Demons and the Crows. It's interesting. You can argue that whether eight teams making finals out of the AFLW at the moment is too many. I suspect it is. Yep. I would have much rather had a final, final six at maximum. It'll be interesting because there does seem to be a gap between the top four and the rest. Which we've sort of known about for yeah. you know the majority of the season. We, we talked about it a little bit earlier that we thought that they might have just expanded with this next lot of touch earlier than usual. And you and you look at the the teams that are up the top there. You know the Melbournes have been around the mark. The Adelaides have definitely been around the mark. Brisbane have definitely been around the mark as well. And and the Bulldogs have been there as well. So I think too though it has shown. Look, we understand why they've tried to build. They've had to do this competition right from the word go, the other way around, yep. to start at the top level, to get the numbers playing underneath. Not the ideal way. The pyramid system, of, yeah. You know, of building up to end up with, with at the top end. So we get we get that. And look, please, I am a huge supporter of women's football. Absolutely. I go to women's footy. Yep. I, th- I think the women's attitude, and that is something that a lot of men's games can learn from. Yep. You know, I went to the women's grand final, Nord versus South, when Nord didn't score against South in the minor round, fully expecting us to get Nord, to get absolutely annihilated, thinking it's more important to be around when you lose than when you win. Yep. Now, to watch the Nord girls who'd missed out on selection, how they were so involved won me over big time. Yep. And because the the guys level, the guy who's missed out the 23rd, 24th, 25th, 26th. Generally doesn't want to be there. Dummy, dummies, you know, on the floor, the yep. chests and all that. And I spoke to Steve Simmons, current, who was the Nord coach at that time, the currently the Collingwood coach. Yes, yes. Spoke to Simo the next day for about an hour about women's footy and, and that. And... Yeah, so I'm a huge supporter of it, but I think they've built really a bit too quick and there's it's diluted the talent. And I, look, it's shown Chelsea Randall, that's the equivalent of Adelaide having Goodwin, McLeod, Rashido out or Port having yes. Boat, Grey. Yep, Wines. Wines out. Yep. That's how important she is. I'm on the same bandwagon, mate. I think the women's product is fantastic. Yes, it's got, it's got some growing pains, and and I think a lot of fans understand that. It has definitely brought a new segment to AFL football, um, which is which has been a breath of fresh air. And even more importantly, is what it's brought to community level. Now that to have the women's sides, you know, continue growing like. Adelaide Uni's got three female sides now. Yes. Paynham are looking at having three. Yes. It's it's even more important at country level yes. to, to hopefully save clubs. And where these people, mainly blokes who bag the hell out of female footy, aren't looking at the whole picture, and I emphasise the word the whole picture, yeah. really. It's a, it's a big thing. One oh. club... One club, everybody's on the same page. Everyone wants to be there for the right reasons and, and you should be supporting it no matter what. But also at community level, yep. 
females playing, at, if the girls are playing at 7 o'clock on a Saturday night, guess what? The club's packed. The guys stay around. Yes. Bar trade, etc. Exactly right. Huge supporter of the AFLW. Now, getting on to, obviously, a local team here, the Crows. It looks like Randall may miss with an ankle. That's the way it sounds. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they've done pretty well in the last couple of weeks to, to cover her to a certain degree. To some extent. But, you know, Melbourne sort of touched them up, I think it was in round one yep. Uh, yep. Here, here in Adelaide. You know, that they seem to be a little bit faster, a little bit more agile. But the Crows' endeavour over the last couple of years is probably the one thing that's won them over most times. Yeah, so look, Friday night, you'd expect, well, there's no doubt that it'll be a heavy deck in Melbourne. So <laughs> Absolutely. It could, it, it'll be a slog and it, you suspect it'll be a yep. under-goal margin either way. You, you're quite... A, in that sort of condition. So. Yeah, it may actually help the yeah. Crows in some respects. Yeah. Uh, the Lions, the Tigers, you pretty much will back the yeah, Lions, yeah. especially up up in Queensland there. Uh, on the Lions, yep. Cats and the uh, Kangaroos. Probably the Cats. Yeah, heavy deck down in Geelong there. Yeah. And Magpies and the Bulldogs, Victoria Park. Go 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 the pies. I would, I would sort of think, well, you've got connection yes. there with the pies, of course. Yes. I'd certainly... Probably back the, the magpies at home there, but you know the bulldogs don't discount them either. But yes, uh, from a Nord Nord perspective, perspective yes, absolutely, uh, we'd like to see. I will certainly be messaging Steve before the game, wishing absolutely. him all the best. So you know that's week one of the the AFLW finals, and we look forward to seeing how the finals shape themselves over the next couple of weeks, and hopefully uh, we get a bit bit better picture after round one of the finals. Maybe I'm might be speaking slightly out of school here, but was caught up with Matty Clark after the. Rose game against Geelong at Unlands. Probably spoke to him for about half an hour about where they try and introduce tactics. So just keeping the learning skills and then introducing tactics. Also, which players take it in more than others. And it was it was a fascinating chat. Mm-hmm. And geez, he's, he is a switched on level headed. I think he's he's a very very good communicator. And I think he's superb for the female. For, I think he'd be a very good male coach. Yes. Don't get me wrong there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think he's superb where he really gets it with which players can take it in and which can't. A good teacher of yes. the game, which is really, really important. Maybe could be used in the AFL uh, yes. men's side uh, very much so. All right, well, we'll keep a bit of an eye on that over the next couple of weeks and uh, we'll have a little bit of a chat next week about the, uh, the progression of the final series and obviously working our way through to the grand final uh, in a few weeks' time. We're going to take a bit of a break. We've sort of covered a fair bit in the first 20 minutes or so. When we come back, we'll, uh, we'll have a little bit of a talk about the netball sponsorship. We've got Mary Cavey from the Adelaide United uh, Supporters Group uh, to join us today to just talk about all things Reds or the Reds yep. Army. Yep. And uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll have a bit of a talk a bit later on in our extra time big finish about some appointments that have happened along the way. Has there ever been anything that has lightened up your day? Whether it was someone who complimented you or maybe you got a promotion at work, these all make you feel happiness. But if you're looking for more, more to lighten up your day, then you should book our mobile coffee service. We are always dedicated to one thing, service. We appeal to all sorts of people, from commuters on their way to work or our regular workplace coffee stops. And best of all, we visit you. Whether it's our top quality and aromatic coffee or our mouth-watering selection of cakes and food, there will always be something for you to enjoy. Servicing Adelaide's metro area. Why not book in a stop today? Find us on Facebook and send us a message. Tour Coffee and Catering. We deliver your daily caffeine fix. 
Welcome back to the Game On Podcast. Malcolm, Ash Barty, she comes out on the weekend with a, a little bit of an extract in her autobiography. It was in the national papers. Your thoughts on, on Ash and her retirement and, and the reasons behind which we finally found out? Fascinating, isn't it? It's, um, you know, the, the whole mental mental sport side of sport and of life, work, work-life balance, it's, I think we're probably gradually learning more and more about it, gradually getting rid of the toughen up princess sort of attitude, which... You know, back in our time, that's exactly what it, way it was, and it was said that way as well. Yep. So I think we're gradually getting there on that. Yeah. It was a fascinating read. I mean, you know, she basically comes out and says that, you know, six months, seven months before uh, she announces her retirement, she'd made a decision. She has a training session. She's on a, uh, a push bike or a um, exercise bike. And, and basically just quits mid-session, which is not like her at all, and, and that was her first red flag. And, you know, you sort of question, you know, what goes on in, in players' minds at the time, and obviously she basically said that that's it, I've, I've had enough for the second time. Yeah, and then to sort of end up winning Wimbledon and the Oz Open with sort of the freewheeling attitude. Yes, Absolutely. It's it's amazing how the psychology of the mind works, and we talked about this briefly before we uh, started recording this podcast. In that, in that sometimes that freewheeling is a benefit to the player, where they've they've made their decision and they they're going out there to to, to play for fun, really. Yeah, again, at a professional level, it's fascinating, isn't it? Where some people it's to be pumped out of the eyeballs and all that. Some others it's relaxed and it's you know country music before playing where some others it's heavy metal everyone's different absolutely and i think we need to respect that a bit more and look again a little bit of you wonder about tom boyd and what were was his fight his two best games he played were the prelim and grand final in 2016 had he come to that get into that gradually getting around that way as well i know he did play a little bit after that Mm -hmm. you do wonder if that helped, and the mindset had completely yeah, you changed. Just I mean, you know, at the end of the day, that, that we look at them as professional athletes. We sometimes think that they're inhuman with the way that they go about stuff on a daily basis. And and Ash sort of mentioned that as as again part of the extracts that we sort of got is that you know she felt like she had climbed Everest, she had achieved what she wanted to do, and felt like as an as a professional athlete to to go back down to the bottom of the summit to then only try and climb it again just wasn't for her. And good on her for being honest with her own, with herself. Totally agree. Uh, you know, sad from a tennis point of view because, yeah. I, again, not knowing what was going on in the background at the time, you just look at her and think, oh, she's finally put it all together. This is going to be good for the next four or five years. Uh, and then seven months, eight months later, she, she says, no, I've, I've climbed my Everest. I've achieved what I wanted to achieve and now I want to enjoy life. I think too, it was a real bit of ironry there that as people, hey, great, we finally got a tennis player up who's a chance to win a Grand Slam for the first time. Yeah, in, and she wins know, two in six months. For the first time in, you know, seemingly on the outside since Adam and Eve were sharing apples. Yep. You know, so finally had someone there we could follow and yeah, 
it left us. And there were consequences well. with that as well for Tennis Australia through the Institute. They obviously get a um, certain amount of money yeah. donated to their programs based upon obviously performances as well. So there was a couple of little things there, but I'm, I'm reading it really glad for her that she was able to come to that conclusion. Yes, it was disappointing from a viewing point of view and obviously a winning point of view. We'd like to see uh, the Australians do very, very well, but I think from a personal point of view, wow, what courage. I mean... T- to, to pull the pin is just amazing. Yep, full amazing. Res- full respect. Absolutely. All right. Basketball. Adelaide thirty sixes. Yeah. Well, we've talked about them again a couple of weeks ago when they were over in the the US. They play two preseason games. They win one, which was news everywhere. Oh, it was huge. everyone was cock a hoop about it. Did we put a little bit too much expectation on them coming back? Uh, they've uh, they've come back with a little bit of an indifferent start to their season. Um, they lose to the Jack Jumpers, you know, 97-72, but really only just stepped off the plane a few days earlier. So you go, all right, maybe a little bit of jet lag. They come out and rectify it in the, in the second game against the Hawks um, and then in the third game That's against Sydney. the Kings. So you, you thought, oh, yep, they're on a little bit of a roll. And then all of a sudden, the last two games, they've... Uh, They've just fallen apart a little bit by the wayside. And, two to get spanked by the breakers here as well. So it wasn't – you thought this would be a close game. For the game, you'd think this is five points either way. Yes. And, yeah, so I think there are a bit of alarm bells there. It's, it's, it's again, from our expectation from winning in America, we thought, hey, geez, these were, the, we finally got a couple of ripper imports. Away we go. Yep. Yeah. And, and obviously, uh, Randall's come out today and sort of said, or yesterday and today, saying, "Look, there's no problem here. Relax. It's all good. There's no problem within the within the group." And we've heard that a few times. Yeah. Sometimes it's it's yeah. white noise. Sometimes it is. Um, look, they're currently sitting two and three after five games. They've obviously played a few less games than a few of the other teams at the moment, but with a minus forty five shot difference. That could come back to haunt them as the season goes on. When they, you know, if they get on a bit of a roll, they'll make the finals great. But if they're teetering and that shot difference is going to be a bit of a problem, yeah. then it it could cost them dearly. Yeah. And I hope it doesn't. But yeah, look, uh, we'll wait and see over the next couple of weeks. They've got a couple of games coming up against the Wildcats, the Hawks again, which are currently sitting bottom at the moment. So if they can sort of pick up some points there and, and get themselves back on an even kill, you never know. I think too, let's face it, as a South Australian, we're sort of craving out for a couple of our teams, you know, in something. Yes. Basketball, soccer, football, whatever you want to call yep. it either way. Yeah. Sheffield um, yeah. Shield, as we know, South Australia in that regard. And yes. So there's there's a bit of frustration as a, as a South Aussie and come on, guys, we want something. Yes. And I, and I think the supporters have been patient for long enough. I think now's the time that they want to see something. Yeah, the uh, Adelaide 36ers, let's let's get behind them and hopefully uh, can fill out the entertainment centre and really bring home a big couple of wins in the next couple of weeks. Quite John Kennedy, do something. Agreed. All right, Malcolm, the netball sponsorship, that's been headline news for all the wrong reasons and all the right reasons as well. Absolute fiasco as far as I'm concerned. I don't think anyone, you, you know, I can't be held responsible for what my dad said 40, 50 years ago. And he can't be held responsible for something I say. Um, for mine, I felt it was just staggering. And it was just also disappointing. There, w- there should have been something worked out. Like, hey, geez, I'm actually praising uh, 
the South Australian Cricket Association. Rashid Khan doesn't wear the West End logo. Now, with the strikers, sponsored mm-hmm. by West End, he doesn't wear that because of his own beliefs, etc. Yep. So there's something worked out there. Now, surely there could have been something worked out. This could have been on done the other other way behind the scenes. Yes, or doesn't wear that that part on the uniform, whatever. I just think it's been staggering, bitterly disappointing, and also the latest bit. I don't get a state government mm-hmm. deciding to tip in fifteen million dollars to a national sporting group with hang on half the state underwater at the moment. For mine, a bizarre yep. decision, and, yeah, I just don't get it. I'll rewind a little bit. I totally agree it should have been done behind closed doors, that if there was issues, that it could have been done a little bit more subtly. Again, like you said, for something that was said a long time ago, yes, it was wrong, but you yeah. can't really hold account to today. But if voices had raised those concerns that they could have been dealt with, and, and, and you gave the exa- perfect example of Rashid Khan not wearing the West End logo, um, that the logo on the uniforms were, were pretty minuscule in the scheme of things. And then moving on to the announcement yesterday about Victoria sponsoring it. Now, some will say it was an election. They've got an election coming up in a few weeks' time. Obviously, they have good weight of numbers in Victoria playing netball, but some would say SA has a pretty vast amount of netballers as well. So, yeah, state government sponsoring a national team, I'm not for it. Uh, yes, the money is needed for grassroots level, and I hope that that money is going to grassroots yeah. level, and that's something that, again, we're probably not privy to at the moment to, to those sort of negotiations. You know, sponsorship is hard to come by, and and I don't want to see a national team lose a sponsorship because of something that could have been sorted out. No, and again, I'm not – yes, we totally agree. Yep. Obviously, it was – the Totally barbaric attitude from years ago. But, yep. So we're not defending that. No, not at all. But, yeah, I don't get If it had been the federal government jump in, even then I personally would still disagree with it, but at least you could say, well, at least it is federal, it is a national, okay. Yep. Not a state government. I mean, obviously this is a podcast for South Australian or predominantly South Australian, but, you know, how would the Victorian state ratepayers see oh. this? You know, I'm sure they're not overly happy with tipping in $15 million, even though their budget's probably $4 billion or whatever it is. So it is a bit of a drop in the ocean. But, you know, they're trying to secure games to be played there. They're trying to secure grand finals to be played there. Whereas, you know, you can't, you've got to be able to move these things around the country depending on who finishes top of the ladder and bits yeah. and pieces like that. And the AFL's the classic yeah, example. I you know, signing a 50-year lease is just... Not quite right, and I was listening to somebody on the radio the other day that was a mad Melbourne supporter. Absolutely loved the trip to Perth, playing you know slightly night twilight yep. final. Thought that it was absolutely amazing. He attended this year's grand final. Thought that was amazing, but he also liked the the idea of being able to travel and and, and go off to another oh. another venue. So I hope that the the netball doesn't go down that track where they are you know Melbourne centric for finals and etc. 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 You'd think there'd be a fair bit of trade-off in that regard, though. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I suppose from their sponsorship point of view, they've tipped in $15 million. They've probably got 5 or $10 million worth of advertising rates because it's been all over the paper for the last two days. So maybe their return on investment was worth it. But yeah, I, I, I think I, morally it's wrong. 
Yeah, not only morally, I'm not convinced it is a great move wise. I I reckon most people wouldn't agree with it. So yeah. it'll be interesting. We'll see how that one plays yes. out. All right, Malcolm, we're going to take another quick break. After the break, we're going to have Mary Cavey from the Adelaide United Supporters Group. She's going to tell us all, all things Adelaide United. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate and subscribe. Welcome back to the Game On Podcast. Five good minutes in the clubhouse. Today's special guest is... Mary Cavey is the president of the Adelaide United football supporter group, the Reds, or the Red. And Red Army. The Red Army, <laughs> yes, the Red Army. And we're, we're privileged to have her here today, obviously, to talk about all things Adelaide United and, and give us a little bit of insight into what the Red Army is up to. Thank you very much for having me, mate. Thank you, Mary. Firstly, Red's Army, obviously, support is a, an important part of, of every professional sport. Tell us a little bit about the Red Army. Yeah, uh, we like to think so. The, the Red Army's been around uh, over a decade now. Um, not quite since the inception of the club, but pretty close. Um, we've had uh, a half a dozen or so presidents in that time. We, we, we have an ABN. We're an official incorporated business, so we uh, we have our AGMs and we uh, take memberships to to raise funds to do what we do, and yeah, no. But it's uh, at the end of the day, it's still a volunteer position, and and we uh, we do it for the pure love of the club. So uh, anything we can do to make game day as as bright and colourful and loud as we can is uh, is going to be a good thing for the team. How many uh, members have you got in the Red Army at the moment? Well, new season, we're signing up. Uh, we're going mad for sign ups to uh, try and get that bank balance up, ready to go. But um, you know, over the years, there's been uh, obviously high, you know, better better running season than others it's all very much based on how the team goes as well sure. um, some years we've had 150 to 200 financial members um, other years it's been maybe half that but uh, in terms of people that physically just come to the games and get involved in in the active bay it's it's obviously hundreds upon hundreds and now uh, now the season this season they've actually opened up the uh, the stadium zones as to what uh, counts as an active support stand. So now the whole north end of Cooper Stadium is considered active. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're really hoping that that's going to uh, make even louder, make it even louder. Fantastic. And obviously at the home games, you guys obviously have a meeting point. Is that – and then you go yeah. into the stadium. Is that how, how it works with the Reds? Yeah, we, 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 start, uh, we start our pre-game kickoffs a, a couple of hours usually before the game um, at the Serbian Social Club. It's uh, the front bar area is called RGK, which is uh, – the Ravna Gora Club at Serb, um, but uh, they've been brilliant. They're again, they're a non-for-profit as well uh, from the Serbian Church, and they just uh, they just let us come in and make make a racket and eat their all amazing food and uh, and they uh, serve great drinks and it's it's a great meeting spot for everyone to get together because it's only uh, you know a couple hundred meters around the corner from the stadium. So we're there uh, before and after every home game, and uh, and on away games we'll go there and uh, get together to watch the watch the game on the telly. Excellent. I was just about to mention that to, to ask if you did have a, a bit of a get-together when you are playing away and, and obviously need to get around the supporters and, and get them into um, you know that passionate Reds feeling that we see week in, week out. 
Definitely, yeah. I mean, look, we uh, as many of us try to, to actually travel, of course, to the games, whether, wherever they may be. Um, but uh, for those who can't, yeah, RGK is where it's at. Fantastic. And uh, your next event, you've got an event coming up soon? Yeah, so uh, again, coming back to just trying to um, support the Red Army so that we can support the club, our next big event uh, is a Adelaide United-themed quiz night. Um, we've we've got a, a couple of real diehards in the committee this season who know their stuff best uh, best of all. So they've written up all the questions. Uh, it's going to be held at RGK. It's on a Saturday night, uh, November 26th. Um, tickets are, are on the Facebook page of the Red Army AUFC. Um, we'll have some special guests. We'll have some, uh, you know, your first drinks included in your ticket price. There'll be some snacks and stuff. Kitchen's open at RGK. They do some brilliant food. We're just going to make a really great night of it. And then uh, come 8.30pm, soccer is kickoff versus Tunisia. So it should be a cracking night. Fantastic. And obviously, um, you know, anyone that's interested, please help support the Red, Red Army and get along to the uh, fundraising event there, the quiz night. Yeah, brilliant. Now, Mary, obviously, we're, we're here to talk about the Reds and and the start to the season that they've had. Four games so far, three mm. away games to start the season. Always a tough Correct. one. Yeah, well, not not ideal, obviously. We, we know that Highmarsh is a real fortress and we really do play our best football at home. But uh, it was a uh, strategical decision by the club. They, they organised the first few weeks to be away so that the stadium upgrades that are happening would be... Uh, completed to a to a functional sort of um, state to for people to physically get into the into the grandstand on the eastern side. So as we know, Highmarsh Stadium is going to be used as a w- women's World Cup venue next year, which is going to be insane. Um, but yeah, they they needed to to crack on with that eastern side uh, upgrades before they could open it up for the Adelaide United season. So playing away first three weeks was tough. We didn't win one on the road, um, two draws and a loss. Um, but, uh, yeah, as you saw, first game back on Sunday at home and uh, it worked wonders. We uh, we beat Perth. Yeah, t- talking about the stadium, I've, uh, I've driven past there a few times in the last couple of months and, boy, oh boy they've uh, really got on with the, with the job and, and it looks fantastic from the outside. I haven't had a chance to go and have a, a look at the inside yet, but, wow, it's certainly a world-class stadium now and I'm sure that it being slightly more enclosed will only make the uh, cheering a little bit louder. It, it was immense, mate. Um, on Sunday, you, you immediately heard and saw a difference. Um, yeah, the acoustics coming off that eastern roof now, clapping, doing sha-la-la, it just sounded amazing. Um, they've upgraded the sound system. They've up, they've installed two massive new screens at North and South End, so you've got playbacks at each end. Um, yeah, and, and as I said, that, that whole new eastern side, there's got corporate boxes that's still got to be finished, but they're, they're looking they're looking amazing, um, and heaps of uh, and heaps of shade now for those top tiers as well. So, yeah, it was it was pretty impressive. Well, hopefully, for our uh, next home game uh, coming up on Friday the eleventh against Melbourne Victory, maybe we can sell the place out. We are really, really hoping that we we know that the Victory fans have already sold out their away base. So uh, we definitely need to uh, come one, come all, and get the rest of it sold out and covered in red. Um, it's going to be the first night game again under the new lights, under the in the new stadium with all the new upgrades. They've got all sorts of pre-game theatrics with the lighting and that ready to go. It's going to be it's going to be insane. So yeah, get around it. And obviously, Adelaide United's coach Carl Viet, um, very you know renowned for obviously South Australian uh, talent, looking at mm. South Australian talent. What, yep. what can we expect from him for the remainder of the season? Uh, yeah, he's he's a South Australian boy, and he's and he uh, he believes hard in in recruiting locally as much as he can. Obviously, you, you you want some experience and some and some big name players, of course, where you can to bolster the squad and give it some star power. But 
at the end of the day, most of our successes have come from the local kids coming through. You know, they, they really get an opportunity at this club and, um, you know, you look at the likes of Craig Goodwins, there's kids coming through like Aaron, uh, Nesta Aaron Kunda, you know, he, he almost put an assist in on Sunday, just gone with a bicycle kick. It was just insane. And he's, he's a local kid um, with so much belief in himself. And that's what Carl Vietz instilling in these kids. So, again, whilst we don't have uh, sometimes the budget of the Eastern clubs, um, you know, we're creating our own star power and uh, we love that. Certainly batting above our weight, which is fantastic. For sure. Obviously, you mentioned Craig Goodwin, um, obviously coming back to the, the um, Adelaide United in the last couple of years. Uh, breath of fresh air, obviously. Definitely. Uh, we've missed him so much. Um, he obviously tried his, you know, plied his trade overseas, tried to, uh, to, to break those markets and just didn't, didn't work out the way he wanted it to. Um, but, you know, then with settling down with, uh, with his partner and having his little son, uh, Ezra, um, they made the decision that it was um, best to come back home and, uh, and be with family. And that's just been an absolute bonus for this club because he was finally allowed out of his contract to be able to come home. And he's, he's, he's worked hard in the off season. He had a lot of injuries, but we, we, we left him out of most of the FFA Cup games in the preseason to get him right. Now the season's kicked off. He's, um, he's just loving it. And, uh, uh, you know, if he doesn't uh, make the soccer squad, There'll be a, it'll be a travesty. There'll be a riot, that's for sure. <laughs> obviously, in the last couple of games, um, you know, obviously a couple of uh, draws, a, a loss, and obviously the win. Um, some key moments over the last couple of weeks, Mary. Well, like I said, coming out of Sunday, I think it was a really attacking game. Um, Coach Viet said at the start of the year that he was going to be really pushing for an attacking style this year, even more than past seasons, which we love, of course. We want to see goals. Um, so, that you know, the opportunities are there. We're watching the ball. We've crossed in. We've just got to get the finishing a little bit more consistent. Um, last week against Sydney in that draw, mate, the biggest talking point was uh, was obviously Hiroshi, our, our Japanese striker. Mm-hmm. Straight red card in the middle there for a slide tackle, which, you know, we've got mates in uh, in the Red Army that are referees at local level, and they were like, nah, by the law book, there was no way a straight red card. So, yeah, we were hitting the roof a bit. Um, thankfully, a couple of days later, it was overturned by the um, football panel. But at that point, you know, it's too late. Like he's, you know, we, we drew that game too all with Sydney. Who knows what would have happened if we'd, if we'd had that 11th man on the pitch. If he got sent off around, I think, the 40th minute. So, you know, we spent more than half the game with a man down. It could have been very different. I suppose it's early in the season and uh, it is a marathon, not a sprint. But, um, you know, those sort of things do hurt along the way especially when you're trying to, um, you know, secure a final spot, you know, early in the season or, or jockeying that, for positions and as well. And being games like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's being games like that that have, that have tipped the balance and it's, you know, making finals or not making finals, getting that, that top spot compared to the second or third or fourth position where you might end up with a, a home ground advantage come finals. Everything counts. I mean, we've... We've seen 2016. We we won the flag, so to speak, with uh, with yeah, a, a beaten run of eight games at the start, and then unbeaten the, the the next three quarters of the season. So we know how to do it, but it's it's not the way you want to do it. It's too bloody stressful. <laughs> Absolutely, for everyone involved. Uh, <laughs> Melbourne victory, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, coming up this week. Uh, what do we what do we expect from from victory? Yeah, look, Tony Popovich is um, forced to be reckoned with, for sure. Um, they've just signed Bruno Fornaroli from Perth, uh, which we couldn't believe. But, um, yeah, they're, they're going to come out firing. And, look, the, the rivalry, this is the original rivalry. Um, it's always the biggest game of the season as far as being a Red supporter is concerned. Um, so they're going to travel hard 
as we always travel hard with with numbers when we're when we're playing over there. So, yeah, we're, our team's definitely gonna have to bring our A game and actually put those chances away um, because they are, uh, yeah, they're gonna come out firing and um, yeah, it's as I said, uh, Friday night under lights can't ask for more. Good old fashioned uh, SA versus Vic, <laughs> love it. Uh, just to finish off, Mary, um, obviously um, you've got your meeting at the social club before the game. Um, just uh, just run us through again what time and, and where they can meet. Yeah, so RGK uh, this Sunday, um, I think kickoff is, uh, I think, 4.30, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Adelaide seven, time. 7.45, I think. 7.40, yep. my bad. That's okay. So, yeah, look, uh, it'll be yeah, – we're usually there a couple hours prior Um RGK on a Sunday, you know, they are still the Serbian church at the end of the day. So in the morning they do their church uh, things and then they open up to the Reds. So get on down there um, and uh, and help us out and, and watch the game and make some noise. And, um, yeah, it, it's the best place to be. And like I said, you, you're going to meet some fellow Red fans. And, yeah, so I think we'll, we'll start things there from around 4 p.m., I'd say, on Sunday. Uh, it's on Mary Street at Heinrich. Great street name. Um, it's right next to the entertainment centre. So, um, yeah, get in down there and um, catch up with us all. Fantastic. And as as we've just heard, guys, jump on board the Red Red Army and um, support Adelaide United. And, and today we thank Mary for uh, touching base with us, obviously, at the start of the Adelaide United football club season. And we'll touch in with Mary throughout the season and just, uh, just keep an eye on what's going on in all things football. Appreciate it, Pete. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mary. Cheers, buddy. And Malcolm, Adelaide United, sitting mid-table at the moment, six, played four, won one, lost two, draw, sorry, drawn two, lost one, setting up to a pretty successful season, I think. Probably a little bit better than what it appears on the surface because with the redevelopment of Highmarsh, their first three games were away. So, um, yeah, not a bad start. Not a bad start. Thank you to Mary again. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. Happy Days. And to kick off our Happy Days segment today, Malcolm, we've got Elise Perry. Um, Happy birthday, uh, 3rd of November, 2nd of November, sorry. Um, 1990, um, played 10 tests for Australia with a high score of 213. One of the, you know, a great cricketer, but also let's not forget, also played football for the country as well. So pretty unique person to have represented the country in two different sports at the elite level. And very good technique-wise too, and she's probably a little bit unlucky with women, with ladies cricket 2020 being the dominating factor. Mm-hmm which is her least favoured format of the game. So probably more than a tad unlucky that uh, at the men's level would be regarded an absolute superstar yes. instead of being, yeah, very good if the game was the other way around. Yep. Uh, you stole my thunder a little bit there with my stats and my research. But she's the youngest ever soccer player and also a cricketer to represent her country. It's amazing. It's huge, yeah. That is amazing. Nine wickets in the 2009 World Cup. Fantastic effort. And bowled in the crunch during that situation too. And by memory, I reckon managed to stop a straight drive with her foot, which effectively was almost like the 
foot of God in terms of winning Australia the World Cup. Yep. Uh, going back to her test career, 37 wickets, her best is 6 for 32. I mean, that's a, a stat that's going to stand for a long, long time, I think. 6 for and a double ton. There's not too many have done that. You know. Very impressive. Happy birthday to Elise Perry. We move on this week, uh, very topical for today, Malcolm, uh, the 2015 Melbourne Cup. Prince of Penzance at 100, 100 to 1 shot wins the Melbourne Cup. And as we know, yet again, the bookies, they don't drive out in the mini minors. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, Michelle Payne, only female jockey to win a yep. Melbourne Cup. Obviously, uh, we thought we'd mention that one considering, one, it was a 100 to 1 shot and, two, the only female to, to win a Melbourne Cup so far. And, you know, the, the film, the book by John John Harms, look, it's a fascinating book too. Uh, you know, her relationship with her brother and, you know, the huge number of pain children and the whole jockey yep. focus, it's, yeah. Well worth a read. Uh, we move on, 2009, uh, the Williams sisters. We, unbelievable that we continue to talk about them, but, you know, they play off in the WTA final in Doha. Serena gets the best of Venus on this occasion, 6276. Yeah, the Williams sisters, it's, yeah, Serena's right up there. You know, certainly in the debate for one of the all-time, mm-hmm. all-time, well, she is one of the all-time yes. greats, certainly in the debate for the greatest. And Venus is right up there in the upper echelon of players yes. as well. Like, pretty unlucky to have a sister as good, you know. But it probably drove her. I mean, yes, uh, I, yes. I, I, point. I watched the King Richard movie a couple of weeks ago. And uh, gave fantastic insight. They are obviously involved with the making of that movie. So, you know, it was somewhat very uh, accurate, I suppose, as far as what was going on. And I think that's what drove Serena to, to do so well. And especially uh, through their junior days, it looked like, you know, she was uh, put off a little bit because of her age, because of tournaments they wouldn't allow her to play. And, you know, when she was allowed to play, uh, she just went completely nuts and, and won everything that there was to win. So... Um, yeah, great player. Oh, looking yeah, purely on a cricket's perspective, you can argue, you know, the Chapels in terms of Ian's success driving Greg. Yes. Um, Steve with Mark. Steve probably being the slightly more ruthless one. So, yeah, it's it's all fascinating. And, game. and Serena definitely credits Venus and still to, the, to today. They're very, very close yes. from that point of view that – you know, they helped each other along with their careers and it drove them to uh, to great success. And as I said, their final in uh, Doha in 2009 uh, was probably representative of that. And the results are on the board. Correct. And our last Happy Days item for today, Michael Jordan. We've talked about him previously in our Happy Days, but on this day in Chicago, they retired his number 23 Guernsey in a two-hour ceremony at the United Centre event. Is it just his highlights they're showing for two hours? It is America as well, but yes. oh look, he he's just incredible. Yeah, for me, he's the bet. Look, I, I admit I'm not a basketball absolute aficionado, so yes. I'd I'd struggle in terms of debating stats wise. Where cricket and footy, I'm more than comfortable to back yep. myself in. Yep. Um, where, but Jordan for me is basketball. A lot of debate, especially with like we talked about with the tennis just a minute ago, with the Williams sisters uh, being you know on there. I often refer to the Mount Rushmore. There's there's four you can put in that category, and and certainly Michael Jordan is is currently in that category, with a couple of other current players, past players as well. That you just go, wow, you know the stats. He changed the game forever. Yes, and that and that's what it gets down to. And what a fantastic player. And geez, I'd love to have sat there for two hours just watching his highlights. That would have been amazing. I reckon Luke Longley would have uh, 
he he would have quite happily sat there for four hours. Maybe we should try and get him on to find out. (laughs) We'll see how we go. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. Extra time. Big finish. Malcolm, to complete today's Extra Time Big Finish, we've got the Essen appointment of a new coach. Yeah, look, I am i don't mind in terms of Brad, Brad Scott's appointment. Look, he does have record on the board to a reasonable extent. Look, people who cane him, you know, I think they're forgetting also how hard it is at the smaller clubs and to have managed to have got the Kangaroos into a into a couple, into a, at least one prelim, and I'm trying to remember. I think it was two. I think he had reasonable success, and look, I'm just so glad they didn't go to James Heard. That's a personal opinion. Yeah, it was a little bit of a poison chalice there for a little while. Yeah. You know, Ross Lyon uh, goes in and interviews for it, says, "Not, nah, not for me." Heard, obviously, they had on his radar. They interviewed a couple of other coaches from memory. Uze might have been one yeah, that I'm not was even in that sure. mix. I'm not even sure if Lyon agreed to an actual interview. Look, yep. Yeah. Yep. So, look again. I'm not opposed to Scott coming back into the coaching realms. He's certainly got his uh, work cut out for him. Um, that um, he will. I think build a, a real solid uh, workman-like team and, and we'll, we'll see Essendon probably uh, advance up the ladder a little bit quicker than most people think this year. Yeah, look, and I, I'm still... You know, Richmond very nearly... Well, Geelong very nearly sacked Bomber Thompson and then he comes through with their review in 2007 and from there. From there. Richmond very nearly with Hardwick and then they'll come through and win three flags. I still think Eston jumped the bullet with, with Ben Rutten. So, yeah. It's an interesting one. All right, moving along. Yep. So, uh, Jason Horn Francis, surgery, good or bad? Did Port Adelaide know about this before they uh, went ahead with the trade? Well, you'd think so, because they've got to do a medical first. So, I would have thought Port's doctors would have been the one who identified that. So... I would say that they've gone, their medical, Port's medical bit have gone, yeah, he's got to have surgery, but it's he'll be okay for for the season, for he, the majority he, of pre-season. That's my summation. He was training a couple of weeks ago, um, and, and that's where I'm sort of like, well, did they know or didn't they mm. know? Because were they trying to nurse him through it or the, and they knew about it, or was this something that's come up after these training sessions? Interesting. Yeah. It's yeah. an interesting one. Ten, he's going to have 10 years. It's and it's they're saying it's an unusual injury and it could go one way or the other. Huge risk considering Porter bet the farm on him. Yes, if that's the case, yes, it is. And look, I'm a huge Jason Horn Francis fan. Yep. I, I'm very much on the opinion that Port have got a. I think it'll be fantastic for him. That's yep. so I'm going out on a limb there. Yep. Um, I, I think there'd be. I, I mean, I'm probably in the same boat. I think he's going to be great. Young players like this have injuries all the time. I mean, you look at Rochelle last year, bursts on the scene, plays first eight eight or ten games, uh, gets a little bit, you know, sort of injured. And, you know, these players these days, you know, they in their draft year, you know, they're playing uh, yeah, Bix, state games. Bix nailed it. We're saying they virtually yes. go 18 months without a break. break. And I think yeah. that is so, so correct. Look, and the whole bit of the criticism of Jason Horn francis attitude-wise, 
fascinating that about four or five. You know, I've spoken to a couple of the South players, and and that, and they are glow, were glowing in their praise of him. So I'm taking that yep. all that criticism with a bit of a grain of salt. Yep. I'm yep. I'm a JF JHF fan. Yep. Watch and see, but obviously wishing him the best, and they reckon that it might be only a little bit of the preseason that he misses, which is which is really good for Port Adelaide. All right, mate. Um, Getting back on the SNFL, uh, Heard and Lowe for Norwood, possibly on an AFL radar? Well, Lowe Lowe got invited to the Combine, um, so therefore there's been at least, I think it's three clubs have shown interest. So, look, I'm very much on the bit where I think it would be benefit his football. And look, I hope for Lowe's sake he gets picked. Don't get me wrong there at all. But I still think his season, his football, long term, will benefit for another year in the SNFL. I don't think he's quite ready for AFL footy. Um, you know, he came from over from Tasmania last year, hadn't had hardly played. He played mainly as a midfielder, so it was quite fascinating that he he got pigeonholed into the small forward role at Nord and did a good job. You know, he's crowning the prelim final where he kicked four three in the last quarter. So I, I rate him highly, but I'm just not sure he's ready. Look, Jack Heard, yep, my pin-up boy, yes. for want of a better term. Yeah, Untapped I'm, potential. Look, I love his decision-making, his ability to play tall and small. There is doubt that they're thinking at AFL level, is he tall enough at AFL level to play key defender, and therefore they're doubting his ability to play on the smalls. I think he's good enough. Look, again... For Jack, I hope he gets a chance, but, geez, I'd love to give him another hug when the, when the legs go back to back. Agreed. I can't I can't disagree with anything you've said there, mate. I think your points are spot on there for sure. And, look, as I said, rate him highly. Rate him highly as a person. We will get him on the show. He had been over in Europe, so when we did our Nord Premiership podcast, but, yes, we will get Jack on the show at some stage for sure. Looking forward to that one. Shane Edwards, mate. Yes, recruited by the Crows, but... Not from a playing point of view. Obviously, their Indigenous department, player development department, he's joined them and part of their recruiting team. And look, let's go back. As much as I hate to mention Crows and that word C-A-M-P, mm-hmm. but I think it's probably a necessary appointment at the Crows. And look, if he's anywhere near as good as his dad as a administrator, people also forget how good his dad was as a player. 19-year-old kick 100-plus goals in the SNFL in 82. Yes. He could seriously play. I still think he had more ability than Shane, natural ability. Yep. But we can debate that to the cows come home as well, different sort of players. But uh, if Shane's as good as his dad, as his dad administration-wise, he'll be a great guy. Go. 300 games for Richmond, um, first Indigenous player to do that at, at Richmond. Uh, fantastic achievement and I think brings a wealth of knowledge to the Crows. I mean, he's still only 33. I think he's exactly what the Crows need. Yeah, for sure. Good character. Has um, uh, connections with Sam Jacobs, uh, Matty Wright. So there is that Crows connection there that, that has been there for a while. But, you know, certainly what a great appointment, I think, for the Crows. And hopefully he can impart some of that wisdom going forward for the Crows. And his dad does listen to our podcast. Fantastic. Um, Shout out. Yes. G'day, Greg. Tennis, banned substances. Simona Hallett, mate. Yeah, a report came through late last week that she's been caught with a banned substance and is currently on a provisional suspension from playing. Um, her defence at the moment is she took it un- unwittingly. 
uh, which can happen from time to time, but it does raise a few questions as to, you know, whether that has happened or hasn't happened. Coached by Darren Cale for a few years there yes. as well, so there is a South Australian connection to this particular question and player, so she spent time here in SA as well. For the most part, a blip. this is a blip on the radar, so to speak, that, you know, She's done not put a foot wrong in her career in any respect, and all of a sudden this has come up. I think they're still waiting on a B sample to be tested, yeah, but nice. but uh, you know it's not something that you want to be going going through. And she's made mention that you know this is the biggest fight of her career. Well, probably my sort of main experience with an elite athlete and all that was Alison Peake, hockey former hockey roo. Mm-hmm. Uh, did go out with a good mate of mine for. You know, th- for a few years, and Alison originally, when it came out, would not get it. Would not get a drink from a bar without watching the bar person pour that drink. Yep. As she got to know Malcolm Robert, you get that drink, but you make sure you watch the barman. And she was ruthless on that, and couldn't emphasise how meticulous Alison was with absolutely everything. Yep. Um, so it, it's just. An interesting perspective that it's always every athlete does it, claims unwittingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's leave it at that. So, yeah, certainly a wait and see on that one, but certainly something that we wanted to keep an eye on and, and, and obviously make mention that you know these things can happen from time to time. And, yeah, we wish her the best of luck and we'll keep a bit of an eye on that one over the next couple of weeks. St Kilda, Ross Lyon. No surprises, mate. We, we talked about it in our last episode going... Well, it's pretty much all done and dusted and signed, sealed and delivered. And it took a few days for it to come through, but no surprise. I, I Again, I'm going to put up my, my hand and say I don't quite agree with the appointment. Well, it's 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 still just staggering management that how you can reappoint someone for two years and 99 days later decide to sack that person. Make them go and do a presentation to beg to keep their job and then sack them is just staggering for mine. And I don't get it to that that person only gets, the coaches only get a six-month payout of their contract. Yep. Why is it for the players a full, it's got to be a full payout, a full thing out of the salary cap where this is six months for coaches? I just don't call it a two-year contract effectively. Correct. It's a, it's a frustrating situation. I mean, again, um, we're not, privy to the inner sanctum of St Kilda but from an afar it from afar it looks like a strange decision and I just don't know what Ross is going to bring back to St Kilda that they didn't already have in Ratton. Yeah look you can argue that he'll be he'll build defensive structures and and all that will he get build players up and you know I I, I mean I understand him coming back and saying look I've got unfinished business yeah all the cliche stuff but so yep. I'm not sure that it's a game where you want to be out for three or four years to come back. Let's wait and see. And if Max King kicks straight next year, all of a sudden they'll say it's a great appointment. <laughs> well, it could have been Benny Hill coaching St Kilda. And if Max Max uh, King, King goes yep. from kicking 52 goals, 400, to yes. kicking 82 goals, 25, they win four more games. They're in the eight and then pushing for a, fi- for a final spot. Easily St Kilda's most important player. Should be an interesting watch over the pre-season and certainly as the season begins. Well and truly. 
All right, Malcolm, we've uh, reached the end of another episode and as per usual, we promise to do better next time, but we've got some exciting episodes coming up with some very, very special guests. We won't, we'll just tease you on that one a little bit at the moment, but might have a little Nord flavour over the next week or two, but a living legend might join us on the podcast, which would be fantastic. So thank you again, Malcolm. We won't mention the number. Thank you, mate. We'll uh, see you all next week. Thanks, folks. In this crazy world we live in, we all need the distraction. Enjoying the show? Like, rate, and subscribe. Hook up and connect with us on social media at SportsCastSA. We'll see you next time on Game On.